Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 102. And we have, we have a super special guest on the show today. But before we get there, uh, just let me just remind you that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you can not only listen to our gravelly voices um, here, but... Gravelly. <laughs> gravelly, absolutely. Uh, you can also see our lovely faces in full Technicolor over on YouTube. And if you are on a TikTok, then uh, follow us there. Um, and we also have a new Facebook group. So if you're interested, get in touch there. But without further ado, today's special guest is none other than the San Diego-based uh, concert photographer who has shot everyone from Madonna to Justin Bieber. Um, <laughs> one, one with a camera, one with a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> well... To the Smashing Pumpkins, one of my personal favorites as well. Um, the one half of the uh, He Shoots, He Draws photography podcast with Dave Clayton, who has also been on the show. Um, and okay. father of not one, but two boxes. Give it up for Mr. Alan Hess. Alan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> when we say boxes, do we mean... Dogs. Ah, so not... Not physical boxing or underwear. Well, as well as. So that's, you know, that's something else I think we're going to talk about. But uh, obviously, you know, uh, the main thing we're going to talk to you about is, is your concert photography, obviously, because I know this, this is one of the areas that's of great interest to a lot of our listeners. Um, yeah. And, uh, and also, it, that's also something that, um, that, that we have in common, actually, you and me, um, in that respect. So that'd be super interesting to, you know, exchange views and ideas and stuff. Um, but of course, I know because we've we've only had a, we've had a chat only a few weeks ago, um, right. when uh, when we were on your podcast. Um, that I know that you've been doing a lot of other stuff as well, um, and of course, you've written tons of books. I think over fourteen books. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird list because I I wrote a, a lot under my name, then I did a lot of editing for other people's books, and right. now mm -hmm. I'm working on a um, a series of of. I don't want to call them books. They're a series of helpful small guides for Rocky Nook um, that really don't have an author. So right. they're the pocket guide series and, and there's a lot of them out there and I've written a lot of them, but I haven't written all of them. And going forward, I'm working on a couple more, but they're kind of just the generic uh, pocket guides. Yeah. Um, so I also, you've written yeah. a book about uh, concert photography. Yes, I did. I wrote a book called, uh, um, it's called All Access, Your Backstage Pass to Concert Photography. And that was kind of my uh, love-hate project. I, had. I went to my editors at the time and I said, I really want to do a book on concert photography. And they said, it's really not going to sell. I said, it's okay. I just want to do it for me. They're like, that's not how publishing works. <laughs> oh, no. So I, um, I wrote three other books before that to uh, kind of have a... a for them, the ones they really wanted me to do. And then we decided to do the concert book and it's been great. It's sold like a whole 300 copies, probably <laughs> maybe more than that. I, you know, the numbers are low, but there it's, it was done. It was the one that I, that I still to this day like the most. And it's the one that I um, did. I think it's one of the most helpful books I've ever written, but it's a very small uh, niche. There's a lot of people out there who really want to photograph concerts until they realize that there's no money in it. It's a lot of hard work. You don't get to stay for the show. You don't meet famous people. You get treated badly. You get moved to the back of the room. You get escorted out of the, and the luster kind of wears off and they're like, you know, I'll go back to shooting like two weddings a month and actually make a living doing this, you know, as opposed to uh, struggling you know, in seven minutes to try to capture the energy of a, mm -hmm. of a concert. 
And um, it's hard. You know, that's the other thing. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's much harder than like shooting, um, you know, holiday snaps. <laughs> holiday. Well, it, it, <laughs> or like it, landscapes here or something like that. You know, some, I, some, I, some people say, and I tell people I'm, I'm one of the most lazy photographers I know because I have chosen a subject where I have no control over the light, sure. where I can shoot from, how long I can shoot from. I can't speak to the people I'm photographing. I can't even ask them to, you know, adjust anything. So, um, yeah, sports photographers and concert photographers, except sports photographers usually get to do it for longer. Yeah. We just did, just to show the other night, it was two songs per band. So I think it was a grand total of seven minutes or eight minutes per artist from the soundboard yeah. into bright lights while they're running around. And you leave with like 300 pictures going, God, I hope like five of them are actually in focus. And, yeah. you know, um, you, you can you can look at that as, you know, lazy, like you say, or you can see that as it's so much harder. That's incredible. To get to come away with something worthwhile so, in that those circumstances. So you know, the interesting thing is, like, you know, on the I say, like, for instance, on the uh, camera club scene, you know, where you have, um, you know, hobbyists and amateur photographers who like to get into different things and try out different things. You know, it's it's considerably easier for uh, for them to go to the park and shoot birds than it is to shoot concerts. One is access, and we'll talk about access in a minute. But mm. the other thing is, it's also, of course, it's an exciting thing. And, you know, to do. And so I always hear that people want to do these kind of things and want to try it out. But when they actually do, they find it incredibly difficult mm. because it's just not, um, it's, it's just not as straightforward as just rocking up in the park and pointing your, you know, 400 mil lens at a bird. What did you call me? <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, that's one of the actual, the, the, the biggest issues I had starting out. Um, and I apologize for the, if I don't know how much of the dogs in the background are getting picked up, but all of it, it's fine. <laughs> it's great to love dogs. We like it. Um, the the part of the issue is that, and when I started out doing concert photography, which was a long time ago, back in the 1980s, mm. with with film and digital slides, and um, we were we were given a little more access, a little more leeway because not everyone had cameras. There was no cell phone, mm -hmm. sea of cell phone cameras mm. showing up, so there was a little bit more actual people wanting and needing photographs like nowadays a lot of the public they don't care because everyone's already posted on instagram from you know their video clips and stuff they had in the front row with right. their with their with their cameras and oh my god they're gonna drive me crazy <laughs> um i'm really sorry to everyone but we have construction going on next door and my dogs have taken a dislike to the bobcat earth mover that once in a while just uh, <laughs> yeah. powers up and makes noise and um, anyway, so, uh, uh, back then, um, there were no cell phones. They were literally, so all the publicity you got was what you saw in newspapers and magazines and the internet was, was young. And, um, nowadays, uh, I I've been told flat out that from outlets, you know, we just don't need it. It's, there's just no need to have you there. There's no need for the pictures. There's, there's no, no one needs to look at them. Everyone with an iPhone, Man, you don't even need a new one. You can get, you know, an 11 or a 12 from the second row and you're getting fantastic images. Sure. Um, and I'm in the back corner of the venue with a 400 millimeter balancing it on a monopod trying to photograph over everyone's cell phones. Sure. Um, it's, a, it's not as glamorous and, and, you know, as easy to do as everyone wants to do it. But the idea that there's iconic rock photos exist, you know, everyone's seen them. There's, a, there's mm -hmm. that shot of... Uh, 
uh, queen at um, Wembley. You know, that yeah. just like you see that photograph and your brain just goes, oh, my God, that must have been the most amazing concert. So sure. I see those and I'm like, how did he do it? When did he do it? Like, I want to do that. Um, yeah. And that's always been kind of the case. I was just lucky I started with a band that really didn't care. They just allowed you to do whatever you kind of wanted to do. And so long as you didn't annoy anyone else in the audience, that was the, sure. the creed. And I built up enough um, relationships and enough pictures that um, I was able to use that going forward. Nowadays, it's just, it, it's way more difficult to do it. Yeah. So, so when, when um, you've got that kind of access to a band and they say, you know, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, how comfortable do you feel or what what are your limits at that stage um well they're there I've, I've been lucky enough to actually shoot with you know for an actual band that said you go do whatever you wanted to do anywhere you wanted to do it even on stage while we're performing and um in my head i've always i've got a voice of a guy named dennis mcnally he's a publicist he worked for the grateful dead for years especially the last couple of years we became friends um a couple of years ago and he was adamant that you could do whatever you wanted to do, but the most important connection was between the band and the paying audience. Like the fans who came and spent all day waiting to yeah. get to that front row, standing in front of them and blocking their view and just, you know, being a dick is like the worst thing you could possibly do. So in my head, every time I do anything now, I make sure that I'm not interrupting someone else's enjoyment of the show because in my head, that is still the most important part of it. Like, it doesn't matter if I miss a shot or if, it, you know, the coverage isn't fantastic. The real key to any concert or event is that the people who actually paid to go to it have a really good time. And the last thing they want to see is the back of my head right in front of their faces in front of the stage, interrupting that transfer of energy between the audience and the band and the band and the audience. That's just everything I do is to avoid having that as a problem. And it, and it turns out the images are better. The show is better. Everyone leaves happy. And um, kind of a little bit more importantly, I've never gotten like a, that guy was such a pain in the ass and, you know, don't have him back. And, you know, he just made our life miserable. I, I get a lot of reports from people like, Oh dude, we didn't even know you were there. You were just, you blended into the background. It was like, it was great. You didn't interfere with any part of the show. And that's, my personal like approach to everything I do is try not to annoy the people who actually paid money. Yeah. That, that's cr it's critical, isn't it? To be absolutely seamless and invisible to a certain extent, yeah. apart from those odd little occasions where you are, you need to just jump in someone's face to mm. take whatever right. shot, but to be seamless, particularly to the audience, like you say, because at the end of the day, you're there capturing what the audience and the band are doing, mm. not, you're not there as part of the event, if you know what I mean. You're there to document what's going going on. And so if you're in in front of someone, I'd be furious. As a paying right. paying I'm, member. And I'm also public. six foot two. Yeah. I'm like when I'm in front of someone, I'm really in front of someone. You don't get to like look over the top of my head. I mean it works when I'm in the back of the room too, is I photograph over people's heads a lot of time and I don't need a stool or a little ladder, um, which is really helpful. But I'm very aware when I'm standing in front of someone, <laughs> their view is done. Like, <laughs> it's like it's there's no, there's not you're not looking around me easily. I'm I'm a very large human being, and um, usually when I'm working, I'm also carrying, you know, a bag and a couple of cameras hanging off of me. I take up a lot of space, and I'm I'm aware mm -hmm. of that. And um, 
I know you're British, so you might not follow, you know, uh, baseball or anything like that. But there's a concert photographer here who used to play professional baseball, a guy named Randy Jansen. Randy Johnson. He's a pitcher. He's also six foot eight. So you really wow. get an idea. Like, if you forget what it's like to have someone really tall stand in front of you, I've been in a photo with him, and, like, the world goes dark. There's just, you know, you're looking directly <laughs> in the back of someone's shoulder blades, and that is not a pleasant experience. So I try really hard not to be that guy for anything else. Yeah. It's just, um, and I try really hard to be very friendly to security because uh, I'm a venue photographer mainly now, so I do work at the same place over and over and over again. And the guys who work in that place can make my life really helpful or really miserable. So yeah. I try to make sure that they are, um, you know, uh, that I'm never like if they say, "Oh, you know, you need to move," I am. I don't even question. I just move because their job again is more important than my mm -hmm. job. Do, My do job's you, not very important. Oh, it is. It's fair. No, not during the show. Not maybe not when it's happening. That's maybe that's a better way to put it. Like if you're a wedding photographer, you know, your job is really important. You want to capture that day. I, I'm like most people want to think about the concert more than look at pictures of the concert later. A year later, everyone's like, oh yeah, that was great. You know, and there's these, you know, and it hmm. runs on the TV, but while it's actually happening, I mm. don't think it's, I'm, I'm way down on the totem pole. And that's, um, that's kind of how I think and work and, and do stuff. Yeah. I think one of the, the yeah. most annoying aspects of being in a show, uh, in a, in a, in a photo pool, actually at concerts is other photographers, potentially, you know, if you've got very little time and you know, the place is packed with lots of people shooting, then that can get hairy. Do, do you guys find that not every photographer has the same decorum? Uh, Etiquette yeah. towards the least towards other yes. photographers. Uh, I think mm. that's that's where I'm getting at. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, I used to teach a concert photography class for Photoshop World. Um, Scott Kelby, that thing, you know, when they were doing Photoshop World in person, sure. for we did like ten of them, and we had a whole section, and there's a section in the book too, and it was like what not to do in the photo pit. Sure. <laughs> it was just like. <laughs> And they weren't like things we made up out of thin air. These were literally everything we showed or talked about was something we'd seen other people do. Right. From uh, There was a guy who at one concert decided that Phil Flash was the way to go. So he <laughs> oh, no. mounted a, a speed light on top of his camera, which is bad enough, but then he, that wasn't enough light. So he actually took a second radio-controlled speed light in his hand and held it up off camera access to the left and was firing two flashes at the performer, <laughs> you know, can't make that up. The rules were like, no flash, three songs, and he's literally holding, you know, a speed light up here and a camera over here and blasting the guy with two sets of them. You know, it happens. Um, I think the, the worst part for us is if someone decides that they're just not going to move. They've yeah. decided this is my little spot in the photo pit and we've only got like two, three feet to work with. And they just spend the entire time standing directly in front of the lead performer firing away, you know, hmm. Hey, the photos are going to be boring and all look similar. That's their problem. But for us trying to move around that is, is, you know, uh, hazardous and yeah, uh, yeah. annoying. And, and limiting after a while, as well, anger inducing. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's, it's limiting because you never actually get that angle yourself. You know, so it's like yeah. you're you're kind of you're limited to what you can do. You know, depending on how many people there are in the pit, actually. Mm.
<laughs> that's a waste. We've we've had, I think, the most I've had in a photo pit was at a, a festival type thing, but I think we had seventy plus photographers oh, wow. in a pit. So seventy people all trying to get a photograph stacked up like you know cordwood in a mm. in a tight air in front of a stage was a real. Uh, that's when you're like, so that 70 to 200 is your really good friend. And if you're smart and pack that little 300 F4, that's even better because you're now yeah. shooting, like, you know, getting rid of all the people's heads in front of you. But yeah. I'll tell you, I've seen people uh, um, bring beers into the photo pit. So yeah. photograph with one hand, drink with the other hand. Um, yeah. I've seen people light up cigarettes while they're photographing in the photo pit, which was, I'd never seen that before in my entire life, but someone... Yeah had a cigarette hanging out of one hand and a camera in the other one at a, at a festival. Um, I could try that at the Battle of the Bands next time. Yeah. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I can't wait for songs for a cigarette. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. You know. um, so after a while, you just kind of, uh, my head, I kind of ignore the other people and uh, just, you know, do what I'm going to do to try to get the shots. I mean, I'm really lucky here in San Diego. I'm, I know most of the photographers. I've been doing it long enough that if I walk into a photo pit and I'm, there's 10 photographers, a good chance that I know all 10 and that at least a couple of them are actually good friends. Sure. Um, so, and if I know that they're there and we're working together, we have a great way to, of working around each other. Like sure. I'll start on the left side cause I know Dan likes to start on the right, you know, something like that. And we'll just, we'll just move around each other. Hmm. Um, that's kind of you know it's a little bit like uh, when you play as a guitarist you know it's when you play with another guitarist in a band and you know like you know the other guy always likes to stand on the right side of the of the drum kit for example whilst you know i always play the same side every gig do you without fail yeah unless for whatever reason there is physical limitations to that yeah. if it's yeah. a really small place i like to be on the hi-hat side man that's that i just like to be there but uh, you know it's not always possible obviously mm. so you know but yeah I want you to play with left-handed drummers then. Oh, yeah. I've played with left-handed drummers oh, before. It's unpleasant. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> weird. Joking. It is weird, though, it isn't is it? Weird, it yeah. is weird. Yeah. yeah. So do you play? Do you play yourself? Not a, not a note. Oh. <laughs> I am, I am, nope. I, 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 uh, long time ago, found out that music was not going to be in my future, as in <laughs> creating it. Listening right. to it, it's fine. But yeah. um, I think when I was in... Uh, as a small child growing up, I played the recorder for like a year in a school when I was like seven or eight. And um, I think at that was. point, my parents banned all musical instruments from the house forever. <laughs> uh, I, I have no timing. I have very little rhythm. Um, it's just not my thing. But I, I, I really love live music. I mean, I like going to a concert was the best thing ever. So... Uh, at some point, I figured, why not also make it stressful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and really expensive. Um, I mean, was that what drew you to concert photography in the first place? Was the love of going to concerts? Yeah, I just I, I was going to a lot of concerts, um, and I have a lot of friends. I ended up having a lot of friends uh, who were musicians. I I graduated high school in 1986, way back when, and right about then, I also got into the Grateful Dead and started listening to going to a lot of shows and they were very lax with camera policies and recording policies. So people mm -hmm. used to share bootleg tapes and there was uh, um, a lot of photographers around and pictures from the audience floating around before the shows and a big 
giant scene that used to follow the Grateful Dead around. So a big parking lot, carnival type atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Literally in the eighties, it was it was huge. And then I went up to college and I found guys who played in like Beatles cover bands and rock bands, and they just ended up those are the people I ended up hanging out with. And after a while, I started taking uh, a camera to mm-hmm. the little clubs and my friends' bands, and then the Grateful Dead shows and. And I realized this is really fun. Um, kind of gave me something to do because singing along again, like I said earlier, singing along made everyone around me very uncomfortable. You don't want <laughs> my, my, my voice, you know, was not not enhancing their experience at all. So, the, uh, yeah. so having a camera started doing it, and um, and it was fun. I mean, sure. it's, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, gloss over the part that I just, it's, I find it really fun. Like it's stressful and I'm pain in the ass and expensive and and the rest of it, but the like actual, I get a lot of joy out of it. It, it makes me happy more than yeah. photographing weddings or scenery or stuff or yeah. people. I'm not a huge like. I don't want to put people in a studio and try to light them very often. I find mm-hmm. that to be work, <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. lot of work. Yeah, and. Uh, so. Do you um do you still have your recorder? <laughs> I think it was burned. Uh, I think it was one of those things where we. I grew up in South Africa, and when before we moved to America, I think at one point my parents went, "That's not coming with," you know. That's, no. uh, but I, you know, I I'll say this: my brother, um, he had a drum set set up in the house at one point, and he tried to play guitar, and um, mm. he probably has more rhythm than me, and taxed my parents' patience probably more than I did at the time, but. Um, I've never like wanted to be on a stage. I really enjoy being behind the stage. Yeah. Like, um, I don't want to, I, I, being the center of attention, you know, like being stared at by two people directly all the time is very unnerving to me. I'd much rather not be seen. So it right. fit with what I was trying to do. And as a kid, when we came here and we started seeing like American football and these giant stadiums and uh, the, I would start seeing the people on the sidelines and I'd be like, how do they get, you know, like my brain started going, how do they get there? And how do you buy one of those lenses? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, people are like, Oh, it's a big wide angle. Like, no, how do I get like a 1200 millimeter lens and shoot something from my living room, you know, like far away. I'm, <laughs> Everyone has like kind of that vision in their head. Mine was like Superman. I wanted to be like X-ray vision. I wanted to be able to shoot things really far away. Um, mm. And that's I've kind of that's always been there. I, last year I just I got a four hundred two eight, and I uh, it's you know now my new favorite thing in the world. And the first thing I did with it was get a doubler so I could have an eight hundred five six. Four hundred's good, nice. you know. And I like I like how the four hundred worked. You know, eight hundred's even better. And I. Yeah. I you know, um, and I see things like uh, Nikon just announced a new 800 uh, for the Z mount, and like right. I'll never need it. I never use it, and hand holding it at 800 millimeter lens sounds insanely uh, frustrating. Right. But man, did my brain like those little <laughs> centers in my head light up when I when I you know see that that they're doing those kind of lenses for that. See, I always it's, think when when I, when I hear those. Uh, those sort of things come out. I always think, like, how many children do I have to sell to afford one of those? How many have you got? Well, three, but I could sell a couple. You could sell two of them. No, no easily, easily. No problems. See, see, no kids, two dogs, 400 mil. Way. That's where it is. That's where it is. That's um, why I'm not having kids. Well, 
That's why you get two cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> man. Well, speaking of your kids and um, drums, what did I say to you the other day? Do not let Kara get into the drums. Ah. So Kirsten did a gig. <clears throat> it was just a couple of weeks ago, now wasn't it? Yeah, it was here. Just a couple of weeks ago, and he was at Soundcheck, and um, his uh, is she eleven now? Ten. So he's still ten. ten. Yeah, his ten-year-old daughter came along and got behind the drum kit. Never been behind the drum kit before, and I saw the video. She held a bit a beat better than a lot of people I've uh, ever heard behind a drum it's kit. The most, it's the most staring thing. She basically she started playing, and I kind of thought, oh, that sounds good. I'll jam along. So you know. So we start like the whole band kicked in. We all start jamming on, and she held she held a groove for. I mean, she could have been drumming for ACDC. Is that? Yeah, I mean, she, oh, she held the groove for like two minutes. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. All the darkness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but um, but yeah. But what well, the first thing I said to you straight away was, it wasn't. Oh, that was brilliant. That was great. It was don't let her get on the drum. Don't <laughs> yeah. let her get a drum kit. You will regret it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, she's <laughs> yeah. She's a she's a. She's been learning the flute for a good few years, and she's also now taught herself eight guitar chords while she's. She she came really? out with COVID, yeah. So she came out with COVID on Friday, and then you know, being confined to the house, she decided to pick up the guitar. And I'd drawn out some quotes for her a little while ago, and so she just went and learned them mm. in like a few days flat. Nice. So it's like whatever she picks up, she just seems to be able to just do it, which is really unfair because I spent a lot of time yeah, practicing. Doesn't get that from you, <laughs> does she? <laughs> no. She's exactly she's exactly the opposite of me. So that's. <laughs> I could but, sit behind the drum set for a year and you would still get like three beats and then yeah. Armageddon, something that sounds like the world is ending. And, and um, she's also a good photographer. She um, she likes photographing mm. dogs, so she calls herself a photographer. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, she should uh, look at Kaylee Greer. Yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. Yes. <clears throat> We're big fans. Yeah, <laughs> she's, uh, and that, that book she has, Dog Dogtographer, I think, yeah. is the name of her. You know, it's an unbelievable. It's incredible. Thing. Yeah, we've uh, we've got that book at home, and uh, yeah, we've been looking at that. Um, we've been we've been trying to get Kaylee on the show for a, the best part of a year or something. So we're yeah. working hard on that. Okay. So you know, watch this space. <laughs> but, <laughs> she's, uh, she's an amazing person. I, her and Sam are are really happy that I met them in person back at the Photoshop Worlds, and we had her on the podcast when the book came out because we have pull with a publisher because yeah. We all have the same publisher, and uh, we begged and pleaded, and yeah, and uh, so we need to be on that publisher. I think. Oh, that's what, that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's what we're saying. <laughs> that's it. Um, <laughs> so when when you first got into uh, shooting concerts and sh shooting music, uh, did you think that that was going to be a way of making a living? I really thought that it would pay something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was. <laughs> it something. wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't the grand like. I, I knew that um, obviously there's very traditional wedding, I'm very traditional photography jobs like wedding photographer there. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky I've, I've worked with a couple. I've, I've been editors on a couple of wedding photography books. I know a couple of really good wedding photographers and both in the, they're commercially successful and their images are really fascinating. But that thing, that was never part of it. I wanted to do the concert photography as the part that feeds me and cool. then I will go and do your corporate event so I can put food on the table and actually yeah. eat, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I never at the time, it, it, 
at the time it's very different from now because at the time it was there was actually money involved every single time you shot. So nowadays, if you buy a camera and a lens and a memory card and you have your computer, you're done. You're pretty good. But when I started, we had to buy film and then we had to get the film developed and then we had to decide what we were going to do with the film after we had it developed. And, you know, a lot of times that just meant throwing it directly into the trash can. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just <laughs> that entire role was completely under because we didn't know what the, we, I didn't know what was I was getting when I was shooting it a lot of the time. Yeah. So. They always tell you, and you do. I did some photography classes in college, and they're like, take a notebook, and then, you know, frame one. I shot that at 128th of a second, at you know, 4.0, and you know, and my film was all 800. Like that doesn't happen when you're shooting a concert because you've literally got three minutes. You're staring up. You're trying to figure out if the metering that the camera is showing you on that little graph on the side is anywhere near accurate. It's not, um, and then you get the film back. Uh, two, three days later, sure. and you go through it, and you're like, I can't remember what the hell they were playing, never mind what I was <laughs> shooting at, and there's no record of it. So there was a lot of, uh, I realized very early on that it was going to cost me a lot more to photograph anything in a concert than it was for me to earn anything at a concert. And I kind of put that aside that I'm not going to be, you know, the one guy when I'm dead selling, you know, a giant print that's going to hang somewhere that's like right. unbelievably expensive. I'm just going to need to make money other ways and still try to improve on my concert photography. Yeah. Um, and it was a little tougher because I really didn't want to start getting into doing portraits. That was right. like a lot of people were like, Oh, well, if you're going there already, then you can, and I was like, Oh, but, that's the stuff I don't want to do. And I didn't want to turn the capturing live music into a little subset of a work day, which yeah. sounds kind of weird, but, um, and then after it all went digital and, um, I started getting out of the regular nine to five kind of job that I was doing, uh, the concert photography part was still the part that made me excited. And then going out and doing, the stuff for the books was the part that right. while it's not exciting, it's at least still create creating and, you know, yeah. uh, didn't kind of feel like it was a giant suck hole of all my energy, yeah. but it doesn't match that like thrill. I still get when the lights go down and, you know, or house lights go down and the stage lights up. Um, and for the last 11 years, I have been getting paid <laughs> for my concert photography because I work for the venue. Yeah. So uh, that has been a fantastic um, experience, mostly. You know, there's still times where they're like, you need to shoot this. And I'm like, man, I'd rather be shooting that show down the road, but this is the one I need to be working on because it is now kind of a job. So there'll be like a giant show somewhere and everyone will be like, Oh, you're going to be down there, you know, shooting X, Y, Z. And I'm like, Nope, I'm at the arena because we have, you know, the wiggles yeah. and we haven't shot the wiggles. And so we need pictures of the wiggles. So I'm going to be shooting, you know, the wiggles or Sesame street or um, <laughs> trying to think what some of the other really highlight um, the Sesame hello kitty day they had that was interesting right wow. um monster trucks uh indoor motocross oh yeah um, so there's you know there's been some days where it's it's a little bit like wow that's uh, a little different from what i was planning um, <laughs> yeah. but 
but honestly, it's still fun. And when it is no, no longer fun, I will no longer do it. Yeah. Do, do you find those, those different days, even though it is different and maybe not what you anticipated doing or wanting to do on, the, on a given day or a given week, do you find that still exciting because it is different? Yeah, I, I not only do I find it exciting, I I um I go into it thinking, and the, like these are like things that have been in my head for years. Like I shoot every concert, no matter who's playing or where it is. Like even if it's just down at the local bar and a friend of mine's playing in the band, I think that I'm going for the cover of Rolling Stone. Like sure. that's mm-hmm. my mantra: is that I'm trying to get that epic shot that's going to be on the cover of. Rolling Stone, even though they don't put live music on the cover. <laughs> Little flaw in my plan, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, that's the thing that goes through my head. And so uh, I found that in the past when I was like, damn, I'm here and I wish I was somewhere else, everything suffered. Like sure. my brain wasn't there. I wasn't engaged. I wasn't yeah. trying to get the best shot. And then um, weirdly enough, when you don't try to get the best shots, you don't get the best shots. And mm-hmm. You know, and you look at them later and you go, wow, that was kind of a boring waste of my time. And yeah. I'm in my 50s. Wasting my time is not what I want to do. So now I have this attitude that whatever I'm shooting is literally the most important thing and my favorite concert and the best act and the best artist and the best conditions that I'm going to get today. So sure. it's going to be my best shot of today. And some of them... <laughs> will then be filed away forever and we'll never see a photograph of them because even with all the positive attitude, they still suck. Um, And that happens. But a lot of times I can now like come out with something from that and go, Oh yeah, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Maybe not like portfolio or worthy, but like be happy if someone, you know, posted that somewhere and said, Hey, Alan has took that. Like wouldn't be like, Oh yeah, don't show that. No. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's mm. exactly where I, in the beginning, that's exactly, that was what, what my mindset was uh, when it came to corporate shoots. Because, you know, actually very similarly, um, similar to you, you know, I started my photographic career, if you want, um, in concert photography. And mainly because, you know, I was a, or I am a musician, um, and I spent, you know, several decades playing in bands and um, being a session musician and everything. And... Uh, and then I just, you know, I went from playing on stage to photographing basically my friends on stage. And, um, and that, you know, that's how I started getting into photography. And then at some point somebody said to me, do you know, you know, you can go outside and shoot something at F8. And I'm like, no way, it's never going to happen. How can that happen? <laughs> you know, and, um, and then, you know, and then it went from there. And of course, my realization very, very, very soon was, was really, it was, it was going to be very, very difficult to earn any money with um, with shooting gigs, you know, especially because if you, if you go to smaller clubs, uh, like small venues or pubs over here in the UK, you know, those bands don't have any money I mean, they have no money to pay you. There's no, there's no money in it, you know? Um, and so it's super fun showing, uh, photographing the shows and it's also super fun maybe doing, you know, some actual like promotional shots with them or whatever. Um, but there really isn't, there's hardly any money in it. So, you know, at some point I thought, you know, um, I need to look at shooting a genre of photography or a niche where, you know, there's actual money in it. And of course, weddings is the first thing that everybody tells you to do. And, you know, I thought, you know, as a musician, I've, I've played way too many weddings in my life. 
so that I really, really don't want to have to shoot any of them, you know. And and so I then thought, oh well, corporate photography might be a thing because you know that's something that pays. Um, it turns out, it turns out, it was it, you know, it was very good. So. Um, but, you know, but I think in the beginning, my mindset was like, oh, you know, I'm not exactly like the corporate type of stereotype, you know, I'm not a corporate kind of person and it's just going to be a pain in the neck, you know, no. blah, blah. Yeah. No. Um, but it's actually turned out that I really enjoy doing it. I mean, I, I generally enjoy, I've enjoyed the travel pre-COVID, of course, um, because I, I used to shoot uh, conferences, international conferences um, a lot. And so... You know, and uh, and I I really liked the people that I met, for the most part, and a lot of the events were quite quite interesting. So you know, all in all, and they were paid well. Yeah. So, and it puts food on the table. So. Oh, and it it pays well. I mean, yeah. Um, I have some corporate clients not in the last two years or going on three years now because literally the first thing that happened when COVID shut things down was we shut down the venue, so no more concerts, and then. Like 48 hours after that, the two big corporate clients I have both were like, no, we're not doing anything for the next yeah, year. Exactly. And they both were very, like, realized that that wasn't going to happen. And the tough part is a lot of the relationships that I built over the years with those corporate clients are no longer working because the people that I built those relationships with are no longer with those corporate clients. They, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, they were part of the whole uh big shift that, that has happened but sure. um a lot of times uh, the concert photography actually uh prepared me better for the con for the um for doing some stuff for the corporate clients especially those putting on events and one yeah. of the customers i had their job was actually the people who put on the events they sure. were uh, it's a company called freeman and they're worldwide and they're a private company and they uh, if you go to a conference center and you see people laying down carpet and building booths, and sure. that's probably them. Um, sure. It doesn't matter where you are in the world; it's probably them or related to them. Uh, but I always went into them with the "I'm not a photographer; I'm a problem solver." Sure. You tell me what you want captured, and I'll figure out how to do it. Sure. But don't think of me as a dude just standing in the back with a camera because that didn't give them anything. So yeah. they would come and go, oh, we've got new signage up, and we want to make it look that it's um, dynamic. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just wait till there's a bunch of people walking in front of it, and we'll you know, do a long, long exposure, and then you'll get that lovely blurred yeah. people effect with your signage in the background. And I wouldn't tell them that. I'd be like, well, okay, just let me know when there's supposed to be a lot of stuff happening, and we'll sure. get you something. And then you send them ten pictures, and you know, it goes from one person walking in front of the sign to, you know, a big group of like thirty, and they're all sure. and they were like, oh my god, it's you know, we're glad we didn't tell you that we wanted a picture of the sign because this is more. So I said, you don't just tell me what you want, and I'll figure out how to do it. Yeah. And um, because I figured at the time, anyone who went out and spent a couple of grand. And I mean, honestly, you could buy any mid-range DSLR or now mirrorless, you know, uh, a kit lens and probably get a decent picture if you pointed it at someone and pressed the button because yeah. the cameras are getting to be that good. Yeah. At least recording what's in front of them. Deciding what to record is a, you know, thank God, still, Absolutely. you know, brain power as opposed to a camera. Yeah. But um, 
I'm a little afraid of what the AIs will do with <laughs> you start like you take the Adobe AI that fixes Photoshop and you stick it in a decent, you know, camera and then you point it at something and yeah. you know, it comes out edited. I'm we're out of a job. You know, it's only a matter point. of time, though, isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean <laughs> you know. It's still, you know, it's it's annoying what to shoot. Um I think that's the you know, that's the important part. The, you know, the difference is I think when you know, between somebody holding up an iPhone and taking, you know, taking a few pictures at a concert and, uh, you know, and, and somebody who knows what they're doing is that not only, you know, as a concert photographer, you know, you know, to avoid things that block your view, you know, how to get angles, you know, you like, I've always found that this is just, this is for me, but it might be the same for you actually, you know, through experience because I've spent, you know, 25 years of my life on stage. Um, I think I have a, a sense as to how people move on stage. And so that's really coming very handy for me because I, you know, I look at somebody on stage and I kind of, the first thing I do, this is my, my strategy is always, you know, the first thing I do is I, the first song I usually shoot with a 24 to 70, you know, and what happens is, and this is when I'm right up against the, against the stage. What that does is it gives me a relatively wide view and I can work out how people move because you have different characters you know like sometimes you have guitarists that stays still in the same spot and then you have guitarists that make use of the whole width of the stage and run around like crazy nutters the same for lead singers and, and so on and so forth and that first song gives me the chance to work out what people do and then mm -hmm. i can react to that um you know and i've always found that very helpful and that really just comes from me spending you know over two decades actually being on stage and playing with bands and you know being in that world for a long time um but you know the, actually coming back to the equipment issue there for a second you know the, the first concert i ever shot i had an aps-c sensor a crop sensor camera with a with a really cheap nifty 50 that was it and it worked i got some cool shots i got yeah. some cool shots mm. yeah not the best shots i've ever i've ever created for sure but you know at the time it was awesome better than iphone but i think you know that, that's sort of to me that's always the difference between but when, you know, people just holding up their iPhones um, and and looking at um, really great concert photography, you know, where you know that there's a brain behind it, you know, somebody who has the experience, who can create these shots that are potentially iconic, you know, yeah. in comparison to yeah. the iPhone picture. So I have a question for you both. There are, there's always a band member, maybe not every band, who are, how do I phrase this? Boring as f just, <laughs> they don't do anything. How do you make them look interesting and exciting on stage? Or is it just impossible? Um, well, the, there's a couple of things that the, the, uh, we, we have, uh, um, the one single guy playing the acoustic guitar behind the microphone, like that's it. That's what he does. He stands there and sings behind the microphone. And there were times I'd be like, oh, man, you know, I got three songs and I'm going to look really bad as I'm standing at the edge of the photo pit with my cameras, you know, checking my watch because I've taken six shots of a guy standing behind a microphone playing an acoustic guitar, not moving. Sure. And how many shots of that do you actually need or want? You know, and my days of film come back in where I'm like, I don't want to pay to have another role develop right. of... 36 images of <laughs> yeah. the same thing. And, um, and I, I used to kind of, um, 
think that it was all them. And then I saw, uh, shot him a couple of times, and, you know, Ed Sheerhan comes out on stage, and it's a single guy sure. playing a single acoustic guitar with a microphone. And I could literally photograph him for three hours and sure. have thousands of different images. And part of that was he moves, but I also realized that I can move, and sure. I can make things look a certain way. If I want them to look like they're bigger than life. I get even lower in the photo pit than I am when I shoot a severe angle, making them look mm -hmm. like they're towering over us, even if they're not playing. The nice thing about concert photography is that you don't actually know what sound is being produced when the image is being taken. So yeah. I can fool you into thinking something really fascinating was going on, and it was the dude tuning. Yeah. Because he looked really intense down at a note, you know, and he's looking at his fingers and he's really, yeah, they hadn't started to play yet. He just was trying to figure out why something wasn't going right and he just looked intense. And the rest of the time he stood there and stared straight out and didn't move and didn't change a muscle. It just, it happens. Um, I followed the Grateful Dead for years. I photographed them all. I worked sure. as a photographer for Bob Weir and stuff. Dude, they never moved. The, the Grateful Dead never moved on stage. They stood where they stood, and that was it. It was, I mean, I remember one year um, after Jerry Garcia passed away and it was Bob, he'd like dropped to his knees or did a windmill, and like the entire audience was, oh my God, you know, like he did something that a heavy metal band would think would be the lamest show on the world, but everyone in the audience thought it was the greatest moment because it was something a little different, you know? Yeah. Um, shoot Slayer or Anthrax or, you know, some of those metal bands and you have a nice calm moment of someone playing guitar, it stands out because everything else is so frantic. So mm -hmm. a lot of it was having to rethink what I was trying to show. And if it's a calm guy playing calm balladly tunes, then I'm going to try to show that. If yeah. that looks boring to people, then they just don't like the artist or that look to it. I mean, the, the reality is that I can post three pictures of the same show to any social media and I will gain three followers and lose six. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter because somewhere along the way, someone's going to hate it. I, you know, yeah. like, I can't believe you, you know, you, you got that her singing and it's all blue. It looks really boring. And someone else is going to be like, Oh wow, that's so serene and calm. And I really love that vision of her. So now in my head, I try to get both or as much as possible. And, um, Sometimes it's more of a challenge. So the, the, the bigger challenge I have is when you have someone hiding behind stuff. Mm, like yeah. you have a musician that just doesn't want to be out there and they're like, oh man, really? I got to do this. So it's, you know, I've got a stack of amps and like three keyboards and I'm going to just spend the entire time with my head down and no one can ever see my hands. And then it's mm. just like, how do you make that look yeah. fun? And the reality is, man, sometimes if they're not the lead person in the band, whoops. <laughs> you're just, you know, just going to get ignored I mean yeah. um, I shot a show this last weekend it was a couple of older bands I think there's only one original member in each one of them but they're two big touring things and some of the people running around the back of the stage I just ignored I'm mm -hmm. like they're not they're probably great people and they're probably really fabulous musicians but A they're not giving me something that I can use and B, they're not really an integral part of the story I'm trying to tell. So you get cropped.
Also, no, yeah. you know, if the lead singer's really fit, who cares about the rest of the band? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Are you a lead singer? <laughs> no. It's <laughs> a hide in the shadows. That's, that's I'm, I'm very partial to guitar players. I really like... I've always been attracted to the guitar as an instrument to listen to yeah. and the music. So I'm very like when I when I walk into a pit and I'm shooting a band I've never seen before. I'm first gonna just watch the guitar. Like literally, it's the first thing out of my brain. If it's not like a central guy, it's gonna be the person on guitar. And sometimes I find someone I like the look of or their stage presence, and I will get what I need from the yeah. others for the assignment and then focus all my yeah. attention on the person that I'm enjoying shooting Yeah, because yeah. <clears throat> it's still got to be fun. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, yeah. it's the same for me, man. It's, I think, and it's probably because I am a guitar player. I'm naturally drawn to the guitar player first and foremost, but I, you know, I love shooting drummers. I have a real thing for shooting drummers. Um, there's, there's just something like wild about that with some drummers. I mean, not, you know, not if you're yeah. shooting the stones. They, 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 they are often because there's there's usually yeah it's more movement from yeah, them, exactly. gem, generally not yeah. always but some of them are just they're just as boring some of them yeah I'm, I'm talking about like you know you look at some drummers like Taylor Hawkins you know rest oh. in peace um that would have been an incredible drummer to mm. to shoot and I know you have shot Taylor I did I shot him with uh so so I photographed him in in a side project his band mm-hmm. but uh, I I must tell you flat out that when I walked into that shoot, it was a, a festival for a radio station, one of those summer things. And it was like the second band on the, on the list that day. And I had no idea who they were or like, I'm literally in the photo pit. And my buddy was like, Oh yeah, dude, by the way, Taylor Hawkins is the Foo Fighter drummer. And I'm like, that's why the name's familiar. You know, like it just didn't click, but seeing him play, he was an unbelievable subject. Like, yeah. I would have shot him the whole time without someone going, that's, you know, that's the famous guy. I'm like, I yeah. don't care, but I can now see why. Um, was it, was he playing with Chevy bands. metal? Was he I'm playing sorry, with Chevy metal? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a cover band of a, of, of rock stuff. So yeah. it just, but, but so here's a really weird little thing that happens to me. I stop hearing the actual music when I'm shooting it. Hmm. Like, if you went to me 10 minutes after I walked out of the photo pit, what were the three songs you just heard? Hmm. I'm not sure I could tell you half the time. While it's going on, I'm very aware of the beat and the rhythm and the song because that tells me when the vocalist is going to sing. That tells me how things are going to look. I'm always looking for drummers to have their sticks up, so i got to pay attention to the beat. Hmm. I'm always looking for guitar players, looking for solos, so I'm I'm looking... I'm listening to the music, but it's yeah. going in one ear. <laughs> it's being processed to how I can get the best picture out of it, and then it's immediately being forgotten <laughs> out of the other ear because I'm right into the next moment. Yeah. So the whole idea that I'm like, yeah, you get to do this and listen to music, it's like, yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. Like my brain is fine-tuning itself that mm. I walk into a photo pit, I look at gear on the stage, and I start thinking where the lights are going to be. I start thinking mm-hmm. who's going to pick up what guitar. I, I look to see if there are uh, weird things, like are the guitars wireless or are they plugged in? Mm. Like how far can that dude go from where that guitar is? Like what do I have mm. to pay attention to? Are they going to run around and cross over each other and be all different places, or are they 
are they stuck? Like, yeah. if I hear the opening lines to a song that's really popular, um, I know when it's going to get brighter because when it yeah. hits the chorus, they're going to make everything, you know, brighter. And then, yeah. like, that's so, but I don't hear the music anymore, which is a very weird kind of thing. Um, so, so that was going to be one of my questions is, is do you find it easier? quote unquote easier um when it is a song or a band where you know the songs well that you know i i know exactly that is where this chorus is going to hit you know it might be a double versing or i know i know what's going to happen in this bridge so they're probably going to do something like this do you find it easier when you know that song and then like the blueprint of that song a bit better um yeah uh, especially for bands that i've seen multiple times yeah um uh it gets keyed in uh, the the hardest one right now is shooting someone that I know the song because it's a famous song or a very popular song, but I actually have never seen it live before. So mm -hmm. I get very like, where's the stuff going to happen? Like who's going to do it? Cause I've never seen it before. Um, but on the downside, I also recognized uh, I shot um, dead and company last summer or last fall here in town. And I've been, you know, again, I've photographed just about every iteration of a grateful dead band through the years and they were like okay 15 minutes you get 15 minutes to shoot doesn't matter how long the songs are because sometimes the songs can go for half an hour and they're not going to give you three half hour songs to shoot yeah. but i heard what they were starting with and i my brain went oh no oh no 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 there's no light in this song <laughs> this is genuinely just going to be a dark stage for 15 minutes and very yeah. frustrating and it was like you know so sometimes it really it actually brought me to like it made me upset i mean it like it depressed yeah. me just a little bit it's like it's a great song i love it but i'm not going to get the light i'm not going to get the action i'm not going to get anything kind of new from it it's gonna i just know this and I was that's like, the most <sighs> frustrating thing yeah yeah we had this conversation um only only a few weeks ago um so i've i've shot the albert hall several times like probably five or six times over the last five years or something and it's one of these things, they're, they're predominantly classical concerts, so orchestral concerts or choir type concerts. Um, but the Albert Hall is one of, those, one of those venues where the light is either amazing or it's total and other crap. And it's potluck. And I, I think it's like, it's down to which lighting tech is on duty that day or something as to whether... Uh, whether they decide to to you know light the place up or whether it's going to be some somber atmosphere, you know, and it's one of the it's one of these things. Um, so the Albert Hall has um, a very interesting ceiling with what do you call these things? They're like semi spheres that are yeah, suspended well. out of the ceiling, and um, and so they either light these things up with uplighters, and then you get a lot of the reflected light coming back down, so it actually it lights everything up a little more. Or they decide to completely ignore the ceiling, and in which case I already know, like one, you know, thirty seconds in or something, I already know this is going to be terrible. Um, and I remember, like, few, you know, just before COVID, I think a year before COVID or something, um, I shot a, an event there, and it was it was a choice. It was so bad. Mm -hmm. It was so bad. So, so what do you what do you? How does your brain react to that? I mean, what what is your go to? Um, I mean, I, I know that when I have 
insanely bad lighting, I try to just get as close as possible and try to avoid anything that shows how bad the lighting looked. But yeah, um, that's not always possible in, in corporate events. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing in the Albert Hall is, you know, one is access. Um, and I'm usually lucky in the sense that I have a lot, like, really good access um, um, at, at that place. Um, and the other thing is just, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's, because I've shot this, uh, because because I've shot the same venue now um, quite a few times, I sort of go into emergency mode and I just go like, okay, well, today we're not going to worry about noise at all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is just how it's going to be. Um, and then, you know, you write it, you write it like that. And of course, um, the, the thing is, the ceiling at the Albert Hall is a particular feature of the venue. Mm-hmm. And it's like some of the great wide shots you get in that place feature this 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 particular ceiling, and it's just you won't get those shots. You know, you just have to. I don't know. I, I just, you know, I just have to be content with the fact that that's not going to happen that night. You know, that's a that's a very frustrating thing. I mean, I I I shot Steve Winwood a couple of years ago, and it was first three songs, and he sat behind the piano for all three songs, and I'm like. Could you please just pick up? A, like you don't have to play it, but could you hold a guitar? Could you yeah. like? Could you, could you walk up? You know, pick one up, look at it, think about playing it, put it back down. At least, yeah, because something. I don't think of you as a as a piano keyboard player. I think of you as the guitar player, and like yeah. you're ruining my night. Yeah. <laughs> wow, those are three fantastic songs, and you sound brilliant, and it all sounded great. But the minute I packed up my gear, you went and picked up a guitar. I, mean, I was resentful, like. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't even want to edit the pictures. I was like, the, all the good ones were after I left. You know, it yeah. was, uh, um, and that's that's a tough one. I mean, that's that's like True. kind of you want to show the best, and then they like things completely out of your control don't allow yeah, that, yeah. and um, that's probably one of the worst feelings. I haven't had it with a venue yet. I've been very lucky that all the yeah. places I've shot have ended up looking. Um, as good as they can look. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the background of actually shooting for a venue, trying to make the place look as good as it can. Sure. As it can, but um, and it's tough. I mean, it's we are not a we are not a new venue, so sure. we don't have anything that's like ultra high tech or modern or brand new or looking all spiffy. And um, we're a multi-use venue. We were created as a basketball arena slash track and field slash ice rink slash uh, indoor hockey slash lacrosse slash basketball slash right. concerts, <laughs> you know, uh, indoor motor, like literally had all these things going on and the building's 54 years old. So sure. it's, it, you know, doesn't even have an elevator in the, in the Ooh. building. There's no elevator at all anywhere in <laughs> the thing, but it's got a, you know, a ramp that they go down with to load stuff in. And it became yeah. kind of famous in the movie, almost famous. Um, right. If you've seen that movie, the very opening parts is him on this ramp to this backstage door. Sure. That's where I work. Right. That's literally the door I go through, and it's kind of a trip to literally, like, this is the almost famous, you know, like, yeah. and go in and out of work there and know the people who are doing it, and we, and we need to think. But it's not pretty, and it's not, like, there are times where I'm like, oh, my God, I really want that beautiful you know like up on the top looking down at these you know thousands of people in this yeah you're not going to get it because a there's not thousands of people here and b that we're not that building and it's 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 frustrating um i think that's where 
the practice comes in. That's where just shooting a lot comes in. I think that's right. where, I mean, you guys are both musicians. I think you'd be have a, a much better time because you'd be able to like picture, oh yeah, I've been in this kind of place before. Um, yeah, it definitely helps. Oh, it, it definitely, yeah, it does, it does help. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, for me, especially shooting bands, um, you know, just ha having been in that world for quite a long time, I mean, ever since I was a kid, really, um, and my dad's a drummer as well. So my dad was in bands as well. So, it's, you know, it's just, it's just always been around. Um, it, it makes shooting bands much easier. I had a real issue with uh, shooting classical concerts uh, initially, you know, in the beginning. I found that really difficult. It's very, very different because you have, you know, people in a dimly lit venue who wear black, who play predominantly darkly colored instruments. Right. And you go, Okay, <laughs> this is going to be difficult. You know, it's going to be a lot more difficult, and nobody moves. It's like this is this is my my frustration with classical performances. Uh, very often, is with the exception of the conductor, nobody moves very much. You just you get the you just you got know. to find those odd odd people who actually give an expression well, of some description. And, and this is the thing, rather than. Mm. Yeah, and this, this is exactly, that's the thing, I think, you know, the, the answer to that is exactly that. You need to go in close and, you know, get people's it's got to be close. facial yeah. expressions. And, of course, the conductor, who can, you know, who can be pretty wild at times. And sweaty. Yeah, because the white shots, <laughs> you know, uh, the white shots look the same by and large. Once you've got a good one, you're pretty much there. That's going to make the cover of whatever concert program next time. Do you know what I mean? That's that's cool. But it's the... it's to sort of close up facial expressions that can potentially mm -hmm. make it. But I found it more much more difficult, much more difficult. I, I, I think the one of the harder parts on that is also that you can't just shoot whenever you want to, because um, I've shot some, some acts that are, are very quiet. Um, yeah. you, you know, we made fun of Justin Bieber a little bit in the opening, which is fine because he deserves to be made fun of sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I've also photographed Yanni a couple of times in venues and, um, amazing performer, but there are times where he sits down at the piano and it's quiet. Like yeah. the, even the, the silent, and I'm still using DSLR, so there's not a complete silent mode like in some <laughs> of the mirrorless, but even that is, is distracting and can't be done. I have to wait until he finishes something yeah. so that I'm masked by the audience applause, which again cuts down on the amount of times you can shoot and what you can shoot because I don't want to be the guy standing in the back and having the people around me yeah. hear the clicking sound, hear the shutter release, and start looking at me instead of the stage. Um, and I found that to be... Uh, the advantage of that is that, yes, they all wear black and everything is quiet, but like right between musical things, they tend to like turn the lights up a little bit. Yeah, You just have to get someone who's really slow at removing their instrument from like the <laughs> yeah. position that they're using. And so it's like, if you're playing the horns and you get someone there, it's like, oh, he's still up. So, okay, it still looks like he's playing even though they're done or, um, but I haven't had, uh, I've been very lucky that a lot of those kind of events that I've done, I've done some opera and, mm -hmm. You know, with with the orchestra, they were done. I, I shot the dress rehearsals. Oh yes. So I was allowed to have a lot more access and leeway. I actually wasn't allowed to shoot the actual performance due to yeah. some kind of weird union law for the opera. But I got to shoot the dress rehearsals. So 
um yeah so if it made a lot of noise and you you know yeah. suddenly hear me shooting a burst of you know 40 images in a row because yeah. i suddenly see a thing of light that i really like and i'm not sure if i'm gonna get it it didn't make a difference because there was no one around me going Shh. Yeah. you know quiet it's it's the opera you know you need to you need to calm down um you can't get excited during the opera it's against the law um <laughs> yeah. do, do you find there are certain um not just the amount of light but color of light that are issues on on stage photography um if you ask me like in small <clears throat> small pubs and small clubs especially with relatively modern led lights like blue and red are my nemesis <laughs> personally uh, LED, led lights in general are are um annoying because they're yeah. pure color they don't have any bleed over. If you have an incandescent bulb and you put a red gel in front of it, it's bad. Um, but it's not as bad as a red LED in yeah, the exactly. stage. It's pure red. There's no yeah. other colors to it. If you have an incandescent bulb burning in, uh, there's still some of the other colors there. You can still kind of save stuff. Yeah. Um, I started going, there's two things I do. One is I don't worry about it too much at all because whatever the color is, that's kind of what the lighting director yep. wanted. And unless it's one of those corporate events with a speaker on stage who's addressing people, and usually they give them a nice white spotlight, so I'm not worried about it too much. And then in um, uh, black and white, <laughs> suddenly it yeah, became black and white. Like, and, you friend. know what? I really thought this was a black and white kind of night. And uh, yeah. you can save a really shitty red picture with, and red yeah. is by far the worst. The solid yeah. red lights is by far the worst. But you can really save that. Um, by just going, hey, desaturate all the way and yeah. start playing with it at that point. And you'll find that there's a lot of information there, but the red kind of blows everything else out. And that's yeah. um, uh, that's usually it. I mean, it took a while for me to just understand that it didn't matter if the lights looked like crap, because that's literally the way the band, so long as I'm getting it accurate as to what was on the stage, I'm okay with it. I mean, I may, I may not ever post it in a portfolio or put it up somewhere, but if it's going to the venue and that's what it looked like, that's what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and I think yeah. I, I've, I kind of feel the same about things like, um, you know, sharpness, for example, you know, whether somebody is, something is tack sharp or not. If you have a photo, this is just my own opinion, you may agree or not. Um, but I always feel that, you know, if I have an image where I have a really great expression or, or really amazing you know, you've just managed to capture like a really amazing movement and it's, you know, not a hundred percent tech shop on the eye. I don't care. I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's a, the worst, the absolute worst people to ask about your pictures are other photographers. Cause yeah, we look at, we look yeah. at stuff that no one normal ever looks at. And, yeah. um, this has been proven over and over again. I've had conversations with photographers about this all the time. Rick Salmon always used to talk about like, if they're noticing the noise or they're noticing the grain or they're noticing something else, then the picture didn't work. Sure. Hmm. If you're literally looking at one of the technical aspects, then, you know, it's not, don't, it's not worth it. Like the photograph, you should look at it and go, Oh, I either want to spend time looking at this because it's just really interesting or fascinating or beautiful or draws me in, or it took me back to something that I remember. But if you start looking at a photograph going, well, that's not really sharp. I mean, and, and 
like, uh, don't get me wrong, you, you take a picture of, like, a famous musician standing on the front of the stage, and he's right. completely out of focus, and all the people behind him are in focus, that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm talking course. about, like, there's a little bit of lens blur, or um, I just shot Journey the other night, and their lead singer jumps like a lunatic all right. over the stage, um, leaping off of stuff. I got a bunch of jumping pictures of him. Some, I completely missed him altogether. Like, he's just a blur. Others, he's tacked sharp in the middle, and I got it close. And there's a couple where, like, there's motion blur on a boot, or the face is a little... I love those, because yeah. it yeah. doesn't matter that I didn't use a thousandth of a second, and I was only at five hundredths of a second, because yeah. it literally showed you what was going on, and it caught something in a, in a great way. So, I... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember a photographer telling me that he used to print his pictures uh, 40 by 60 or something. I mean, like big prints on high gloss metal. And he'd have them hanging like in his house. And he'd know immediately if you were a photographer or not, because normal people came over and stood back at like 10 feet and went, wow, that looks amazing. And the photographers come in and they walk right up to it from like an inch and a half away and start looking <laughs> to see if there's, you know, a halo or noise or something in the picture. And they're missing, they're literally missing the big picture, trying to study like the little details. Yeah. And he said immediately he knew that those were probably photographers and that they, he was not going to be able to talk to them about the image because yeah. they weren't looking at the image. They were looking at some technical issue with photography. Yeah. And that's really not the audience you want. I mean, nothing personal, all the great photographers I know, yeah. but your opinions don't mean as much to me as someone who went to the show. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. if someone sees the picture and they were at the concert and goes, oh my God, that took me right back to that show, yeah. that's the person that I'm taking the picture for. If, if it takes someone who was there right back, like you say, or... It makes someone else who wasn't there want to have been there. That's the whole point. Yeah. Hey, so let's, I tell you what, let's talk about COVID for a minute. Cause you mentioned COVID <laughs> for a second. Um, and of course here during COVID, everything stopped. I mean, over here in the UK, everything stopped. Um, yeah. Concerts went completely, but there was no, there were no live performances and, you know, to make matters worse, there were no conferences either. So for me, for example, right. it just all stopped, you know, how, how was that for you? Everything stopped. Uh, right. Everything. I literally, uh, I, I, had, <laughs> I had just done some traveling because we, we, my wife and I had to go to a memorial service on, on in, in Georgia True. with people from New York and Florida. Um, so we got back from that. We went up, I did a huge concert. <laughs> we went up to LA. We saw a bunch of friends for a birthday party up in Los Angeles, came back, did another huge concert, sold out show. Um, Blake Shelton and Tame Impala and like these big shows. And that was like Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday they were like, oh, we're done. <laughs> Everything's <Hey>. done. <laughs> like, so we had, we had traveled. We had been with people that ended up in States with the most outbreaks. We were petrified. We were going to come, you know, get sick. And at this point there was no cure vaccine, Medicaid, yeah. like nothing. It was the, the, the start of COVID. Yeah. Um, on top of all that, uh, both our parents live here in San Diego. Both, both, um, both our moms have passed away, but both our dads are still here. They're both older, so we we're worried about them. Um, I'm diabetic, so I started getting like, oh my God, I've got pre-existing conditions, and because we had such a wonderful um, 
I better be careful how I say this. Because the dude who was president here at the time, thank God he's no longer president time, decided that it was not a big deal. So there was a lot of misinformation going about. Mm-hmm. We just start, we, my wife started working from home. She works as, as a librarian at a local college. They sent her home. We went back to her office. We took her office chair, her second monitor, like everything we needed to work at home because we were going to be home for at least two months. Yeah. <laughs> is what we thought. That was like, we were like, it's the, towards the end of March, April, May, you know, June is summertime. By July, you know, everything will be over. You'll be back in work in August, September, you know, back in the office. Didn't really worry about it. Every concert, every event, um, all the corporate stuff, San Diego Comic-Con, all the big things that were coming up were canceled. Hmm. It's okay. It's going to be a few months. We'll be fine. Um, and then it lasted two years. Yeah. And they tried to do some stuff. They tried to have drive-in concerts. They tried, we did some opera things in the parking lot. We did a inflatable giant movie screen and try to turn the venue into a drive-in movie for a couple of, you know, things. And they tried to do stuff. None of it really worked or paid off. Um, I photographed a couple of blood drives. <laughs> I photographed like things that we could do. Everyone was masked and different. And uh, I was really lucky that I was working at the time on a book for Rockino. Hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll just focus. And it was in a, it's an Olympus camera guide. And those things are the cameras and the guides are incredibly convoluted and insanely detailed. And the menu system on the camera is enough to make the same person cry. And, you know, some engineer somewhere be like, yeah, see, I told you we could do that. And like, so it, it drove me a little nuts. And I just sat in my office and my wife sat in the other room and like my office wall and her little office, like kind of share wall. So we talked through the doorway, you know, and, sure. and it was nice. It was, it was kind of polite. And in the afternoons, we would sit outside, we have a nice backyard, and we were good. Hmm. And then it just kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. And um, then they announced vaccines, you know, and we were, like, chomping at the bit. And hmm. the minute she got uh, okay to get one because she works in a school, and then, like, a week later, I was okay because of my age. And we just thought things were going to get back together. We thought we'd weathered it. We thought we were done. We thought, you know, things would change, and we'd have shows back. And it has taken until, uh, this is April 11th, so 10 days ago, I think, San Diego started allowing people to go to indoor events without having to have a proof of a vaccine so right. it's mm-hmm. it's three years later i mean it seems like it's been forever yeah. um we were just insanely lucky that we didn't have space problems we didn't have um you know we didn't have to share hmm. the square footage we have in the house with 10 other people we didn't have children at home we like there was a lot of things we didn't have to deal with the problem that I had was that my creativity and producing stuff just disappeared, sure. but not that it just disappeared. I just didn't want to like, I could have photographed birds and the dogs and stuff in the backyard. I just didn't have any drive to create at all for about a year. And that was probably more damaging than I would care to admit at the time. 
Yeah. Because I thought, oh yeah, it'll come back when I have something that I want to shoot. It'll it'll be it'll be back and I'll do it. And then when stuff started coming back, I was insanely rusty. Um, my creative eye, the thing that I look at, and 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 just kind of was half closed half the time. I would miss things. I would be frustrated. It like like none of it, it wasn't that much fun anymore. And then on top of all that, you're like, I can't be close to people. I've got to wear a mask. I'm fogging up. I can't see what I'm shooting. I can't edit what I'm shooting. Yeah. I can't actually check what I'm shooting because my glasses are now fogging. So I take them off and I can't see the, like all these little pieces started just making it like not fun. Um, sure. And uh, we were insanely lucky that um, I'm probably, I've never had COVID. Hmm. that i know of if i had it it's been so mild that it didn't even warrant a test i've tested yeah. like crazy when i started getting back out doing things i've had some events come back um but there's a little bit of like usually i would like really enjoy you know getting a bunch of people hugging and smiling in a big group and get right in there with like a 14 or 24 you know and get a no <laughs> like like you you get your group over there and i'll stand over here and i'll you know break out a 200 millimeter lens and we'll shoot you now from across the room it just took away some of that um the part that i enjoyed about the photography uh it's definitely reverberating through the concert photography stuff because we're still getting um you can't be approved because we've already got three photographers and that's we don't want any more than that running around. Yeah. Um, you still have, you know, I, literally, I, the other day we were shooting a show and the three photographers were probably the only people in the building wearing masks because we're still required to wear face coverings by the tour, whereas no one actually on the tour was <laughs> bothering. It was a very weird kind of disconnect. Like, you can't be around them because sure. you might give them COVID, so please protect yourself. I'm absolutely fine with that but they weren't doing anything to protect me and i started feeling like a little mm -hmm. like hey this works both ways and i'm sure. at work here too so you know mask up sparky you know uh change um i personally don't think that COVID is going away anytime soon i think we've decided as a group without ever really saying it that we've taken it from pandemic to endemic and that it's going to just exist now because the death toll is lower than whatever the percentage was. And now we just like live with it. Like, yeah, yeah it's okay. You know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, you want to get a vaccine, get a vaccine, you know, you'll probably live longer if you do, but we're not going to force you anymore. And that's kind of the feel that there is going on in this country. It's a little, um, a little annoying. Um, mm. I understand it. I don't agree with it as much um, so as things have started to pick back up and you know you're starting to perhaps get back into your, your groove a little bit um has it has it crossed your mind to think you know what maybe i'm done with all this has that has that gone through your head oh yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> uh, my wife and i were just actually having that discussion the other day because i'm in my 50s and but it was like if if we were going back and it was going to stay the way it was like if we were done and covid was now taken over and that was going to be the extent and indoor stuff was going to be you know every third seat sold and every second row and like i probably would be like okay i need to just 
step back and not spend the time doing it. Um, but once the energy is back in a room or even outside, like once there's that connection again, I, I was at a show and, and, you know, it like just the noise and the feel of it around me, it was like, I came like, I came home, like, you know, let's edit, let's, you know, let's, let's get this. The excitement, that feeling was, was really there. Um, and it was really great to see a lot of the people that I haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. One thing about being a house photographer is that I know all the security and all the ushers and all the vendors yeah. and all the people who work in the back. And after a while, it was like, I hadn't seen those people in two years. It was, sure. it was weird being back. They're like kind of my social group. It's yeah, kind of a like weird a work thing. family. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, yeah, they're like a, it's like a bizarre work family because mm -hmm. I've been there longer than everyone and I'm there the least amount of time. So it's kind of an odd <laughs> thing. Everyone else, like we had a lot of, people who worked at the building who when COVID hit and the way things changed, they just left. Hmm. They, one of them, um, who I worked closely with, she moved back to where, um, her and her husband wanted to live when she retired. And it just seemed like a great opportunity to do it. So she took that opportunity, which means she was gone. And, um, one of the other guys I work with all the time now, he told me the other night that he's moving on to somewhere else. And, um, there's a lot of people who work in the front offices who I, in the past, you know, I'd be like, oh, my wife would love a ticket for that show. I wouldn't ask, but you know, if there's one line around and there's, you know, an extra social media ticket or something like, you know, we'd happily, you know, use it from you. And, um, all those people are gone too. So I feel like I'm retraining a whole new group of people at the arena about what I do and how I do it, which uh, it sounds kind of weird, but I mean, one of the things that I pride myself on when I'm working there is that I, is that I have good ethical standards, and practices and it's from the book and it's from all the things that I've done about concert photography. So I try to live up to that and I try to have them treat us better. And in the same respect, we're not going to do anything as a group um, that's going to make their life more miserable. So we're told two songs at the end of two songs, we turn around and leave. Even if security isn't tapping us on the shoulder because it's time to go, it's just, mm -hmm. this is the rule or, we don't try to go somewhere we're not supposed to, or you don't go like asking for autographs. If you see something like all those little things. And, um, I've tried very hard to make sure that all the people who work there understand I'm not going to be a problem. And neither are any of the photographers who are working with me around me or at the venue, because that's not our job. Sure. And now I feel like I have to start that process from scratch because all the people I'm working with are new. Right. And it's a little bit like, and it's a little bit like, do I really want to go through this again? Like, mm -hmm. could I just stop? Like, and then I wonder if I stopped, how would I feel when that big show's happening and I'm not there? Mm -hmm. And then I, that's when I'm like, nope, <laughs> like, <laughs> can't do that. I would feel too much like I'm missing out on something that I enjoy so much. So mm. no, no retirement plans yet, but I really did consider stopping if things weren't going to pick it's, up it's, again. It's funny, isn't it? Cause mm. if I think about the band work that I do, so I, I gig every, every week. Right. And, um, that's been slow picking up, but I, I stopped playing a few years ago for a couple of years. Right. My choice. And cause I just, I needed a break from it. I've done it for a long time and just needed some time off. And at that moment, after a couple of weeks, 
I didn't even think about it once. Not once. Didn't even cross my mind that that's Friday night, Saturday night. What am I supposed to be doing? It took me a little while to find what, to find things to do because it's just like, <laughs> what do I do on a Friday, Saturday night? Right. But that was it, and it was it was gone. But then I started playing again, and it felt like I'd never left after I blew off a little bit of rust. Hmm. But um, when COVID hit, I didn't feel that way because it wasn't my decision to stop all of that. It was taken away from me. And yeah. that felt very, very different to me. Very, very different. And now things are picking up. They're picking up too slowly. Because mm. I'm doing half as many as I would normally be doing because mm. people aren't willing to book far enough in advance right now. They aren't willing to part with the cash because everyone's short on cash still. You know, it killed people, the, the amount of money lost um, over the last couple of years. And so they would rather spend their money on a photographer for their event. Oh, great. Rather than, I'll do it. Uh, than, a, than, than a musician, <laughs> right? That's just generally how, how it seems to go, yeah. um, which I actually perfectly understand. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I just find it interesting that yeah, if it's if you choose to do something versus it's taken away, even though the circumstances might be kind of the same, it feels very, very different. Very, very different. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, mean, a, it's an opportunity to reflect, though, sometimes, mm -hmm. I think, you know, you kind of, yes, yeah, yeah. thinking space. Uh, that's what I found with, with COVID hitting was, you know, it was, uh, you know, when, I think once, once I got over the initial panic of like, wait a minute, everything's canceled? <laughs> oh, shit. You know, once I got past that, um, you know, and I got to the point where I thought like, okay, so what can I do? I mean, I know all the things I can't do, but what? what can I do? Um, that's when things got interesting for me, I think, mm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and actually, I mean, in fact, you know, we're, again, we've talked about this a million times, but, but you know, this podcast is, is a result of that. Um, it was just a matter of thinking, okay, let's do something. What is it that we can actually do? You yeah. Know? Um, it's all right. We'll stop this podcast when COVID's actually over. <laughs> <laughs> See episode 8,000. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, talking about podcasts, you know, um, the I'm part of the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, but that was started by Glenn and Dave, you know, pre-COVID and, and was going great. And um, COVID just happened to uh, free up a bunch of time for me at, you know, noon and, and Dave in the evening. And, um, you know, Glenn had other things going on. So we used it as, as really therapy sessions for ourselves yeah, i mean exactly. we would talk for two hours then we'd figure out like can we find a guest and it was much easier to find guests because most everyone was sitting at home going what the hell am i going to do now and um we would talk about it and since things have picked up we've actually had to slow down a little bit because meshing uh west coast u.s time and and uh, greenish mean time or whatever they call it now is not the easiest uh no. you know thing to do we're you know, sitting at noon to 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., whatever it is, it, um, hmm. it's a little, it's a little tougher, and it, it's tougher for for other people because I'm I'm at noon. I work at home. <laughs> like I got to feed the dogs and yeah, and wait till a concert starts. You know, I don't usually do stuff a lot of stuff in the day. But one of the things that happened after COVID restrictions eased is that I had a lot more um, clients outside of photography. I I do some tech help and I I do some. Mm -hmm just general helping people with stuff, um, usually older people with technology issues. And that 
skyrocketed because during COVID, of course, I couldn't go and see anyone. Yeah. So a lot of it was like, if I couldn't help you on the phone, and honestly, a lot of their issues were that they couldn't figure out how to use the phone. Um, <laughs> you know, I couldn't do it in person. So uh, that all picked up. Um, that's still that's still going pretty strong, but it's not like a, it's something that I actively go look for. I'm I've been absolutely blessed with the relationship I have with Rocky Nook, and more than Rocky Nook as a company, the uh, Ted and uh, Scott who. Uh, the people who run it um, because they, I go back to them to the publishing company that they were working at pre rocking it. <laughs> so sure. um, uh, I had some stuff working, you know, for them. And so my, my brain was like, this will be over. I can just concentrate on this very self-absorbing little project on my computer and, you know, then go sit and have a beer in the evenings kind of thing. That was like, and it'll just, it'll pass over. We'll all be good because, uh, even though I'm a pessimist, a lot of the times I really thought that people would um, try to band together to overcome, you know, pandemic. I mean, this is new. This is, we haven't had one of these. This is not something that anyone alive right now has dealt with. And yet it turns out that, especially here, we have a large number of people who don't want to, do what they can do to help or not help. And that got to be um, anger inducing. Um, I would, I, I am no longer allowed to watch the news in the morning. That was like a COVID rule. My wife and I would sit down for breakfast. I'd turn on the news. I'd start ranting and raving. <laughs> We'd be like, no, turn off uh, the news, yeah. go calm down, you know, go have your yogurt somewhere else. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't, I, I have a hard time when, I don't think people are doing things for the right reasons. I'm a mm. huge believer in integrity and your word and trying to just make things better for people. Mm. Um, I, so I, I also get angry and shout and scream a lot and uh, that doesn't help. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm generally surprised that I'm still married after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... Well, we actually found that it was one of those great things. My wife and I are, are like best friends. So we really did. It was one of those things that um, the positive side of it and the fact that in the evening she would be like, she didn't have to drive home from work for half an hour or stay in her office a half hour later because someone wanted to come in and have a message. at like five o'clock. She just turned the computer off. So we would sit outside. We have a very nice backyard. The dogs would be able to sit out there. We'd, um, we'd sit outside. We'd have a drink. We'd listen to a podcast. We'd listen to, um, we listened to, uh, Obama's book on audible. We'd listen, oh, we yeah. would just do something that was like, we would just, you know, and it was very nice and very pleasant. And we didn't have to worry about what was going to happen tomorrow because it was literally going to be the exact same day. Exactly. <laughs> no one was going anywhere. Yeah. No one was doing anything like it was going to be the same day. And that was a, I, I enjoyed that on the other side of it. It killed my creativity to a point mm. where, I didn't pick up a camera at times for weeks and I'm surrounded by cameras in here. I've, I have every old camera I've ever had. And, um, and then I, I, I bought a 400 to eight used and that <laughs> kind of 
switch things around again. Uh, I figured <laughs> if I was going to be, and actually it, it comes back to the concert photography. I saw that we were going to have shows again. I saw mm. that there was never going to not be concerts. Music brings people together. We need yeah. it in our lives. Um, musicians are going to play. People are going to listen. It's not going away. That part of human existence is, is fantastic and is going to be here. They were just going to make me be further away from the people doing it. Sure. I, I saw that soundboard shoots and back of the room shoots and in the parking lot shoots and stuff. Uh, I wasn't going to be in too many photo pits up close and personal anymore. It was going and um, the opportunity came up and I that was something I, I literally was like, this is going to help me in the future. And it's I've used it more than any other lens. Yeah since we started back up overall um there were a lot, uh, a lot of interesting things yeah. that started happening during covid like you know do you remember all those curb curb photo shoots oh yeah and all that kind of stuff yeah. like do you remember that dude there was a dude who um yeah. what was that in bulgaria or, that, or romania yeah. or something like that this guy he was like he was photographing families in fancy dress with a drone like sometimes like 10 stories up or something. You just fly his drone and like people would like, you know, you fly over houses and people would like dress up in like funny clothes and like, you know, do funny things. And he would just photograph them and you put them all together. And it was, it was hilarious. Do you remember that? It was very early on. You didn't get the same reaction here when you tried that, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't either. I I sent, I sent my little drone up, and I think someone shot at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's, uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's, it's because I didn't tell people there was going to. Yeah, good thing. Good thing. Oh, that was actually that was another another piece of thing. I went to. Uh, um, I used to do weekly trips to the grocery store and Costco to get food. We like we really try to limit the amount of time we were outdoors and dealing with mm -hmm. people. So, and I went into Costco one day, and they had a little Mac mini mini drone. Or a couple hundred dollars, and I, I bought it. I was like, "This is actually something I can do." And I was playing around with that, and you know, in the backyard and photographing the empty construction site next door. And then mm. when the arena stuff started back up again, and we were doing things in the parking lot, it actually became useful. Yeah, mm -hmm. I could stand at the back of the parking lot and get it, and get an overhead view of what it looked like. It would get you know this this view, and and um, uh, because of legal reasons, I could never put that as part of my work, but I could throw it in as a free bonus to what they were paying me for the other work. So we'll just leave yeah. it at that. Um, but that was, that's directly out of, out of COVID. I never would have done that if things had mm. gone so badly <laughs> for, for, for that year. Yeah. We were gifted some, you know, a lot, a lot of time uh, over the last few years. And I'm hoping that people, were able to put it to use and to you know learn a new skill learn a new whatever whatever it might be yeah but you know let's face it we are not going to get that amount of time again in our no, lifetime for sure. it's just not going to happen oh, until you retire until yeah but this is why it's just so important to always think about other ways to you know, upskill and to change what you do to add something else that you're able to do or even if you take the tech help work that you're you're doing and it's you know particularly in the creative world is having multiple streams of income is just well i think critical you know unless you're in a corporate role you know you're working in an office you're working in a, in a school you're working somewhere like that where you've got your 40 hours let's say 
if you're a creative, you don't necessarily have that. And so you need one of those income streams could just dry up at any minute. But if you've got other skills that you can lean on, like giving tech help either online or on the phone, you've got something to fall back on. Or, you know, from from a different point of view also, you know, the realization that helping others might be... Mm -hmm you know, might be a good idea. I mean, one of, one of the things I think that, that I realized really throughout COVID was that all of a sudden, you know, my wife's a teacher, she teaches in a primary school. And um, of course, schools were shut for a certain amount of time right. and then homeschooling kicked in and then she had to work from home and teach via Zoom and Teams and whatever they were using and stuff. And like she had to create videos, which was the bane of her life, which is like, I'm, I'm sitting at home thinking, that's what I do. I I make videos and stuff. <laughs> I love it. And she's like, oh, I hate that. You know, but what that did was, because, you know, much like yourself, you know, we had, we, you know, we're lucky enough to have a garden. And so we could sit outside, you know, in the in the backyard and, you know, and spend a lot more time together. And actually one of the things that it did do for us was that it showed us that actually that was a really important thing to do because before that every everybody was running at like, you know, 160 miles an hour all of the time. You know, um, we're both working on our respective careers and we're always been busy. And actually just, you know, with COVID kicking in, um, it was it was just an opportunity to just take a step back, slow down, you know, focus on some things that we may mm-hmm. have overlooked otherwise. And that's, the, you know, that with, with, with stuff coming back, I personally have a tendency to just get involved in things and just like, you know, get back into the into the race and it's actually my wife that's kind of dragging me back a little bit and saying like wait a minute you know like we you know we have to spend some time together and do these things and even do diy diy what's the deal with that doing diy together apparently that's that's great family time <laughs> so, so oh, we, do, we do a lot of gardening we uh it turns out that we 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 turn the front yard um, and had dead grass for years. <laughs> we tried to water, and it just always looked terrible. So we put planter boxes in and a little pathway, right? And it became a thing. We, you know, grow fruit and vegetables and enjoy it. And it became kind of like, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we'll talk about this. And yesterday we actually went out and visited uh, uh, people who who run the San Diego Seed Company. <laughs> so, like, we went and did a tour. It was just one of the things we're trying to keep some of that stuff still going on at the same time i again shot a concert last week i have one on tuesday i have one on thursday um coming up this week uh from small club at the house of blues on one night to you know the arena one of the other nights um and it's a it is a little different because for two years i didn't go out in the evenings and now i'm back Mm -hmm. to leaving the house a couple of times so we're really consciously trying to make sure we don't lose some of that fun together time and stuff we were doing when it all started um mm. uh but it's 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 different i mean the the world was shown a very i mean like a really bad thing happened and we're all we were all so like oh we'll all come together and we'll support each other and like we'll clap for the you know the the people in the hospitals and I've got, I've got a friend who's a, who's a nurse who's working at a COVID unit and, you know, she'd be the updates on Facebook and they were heart wrenching. And, sure. um, my first friend who got put in the hospital because of COVID and he's, he survived and came out of, but that first post, it was also like dramatic. And, you know, three years later, <laughs> there's times where I look around and like, yeah, I didn't really bring everyone together. It kind of <laughs> tore 
at least in America, kind of tore, you know, a big chunk out of, you know, uh, society. And it, it, hmm. the idea that, you know, we would be like, we would all stand together as a, you know, plucky group and, you know, beat this thing, you know, not quite so much. And that was, um, that was a little like depressing. I mean, and honestly, it, uh, I didn't realize how depressed I was the first year of COVID until I looked back on it mm-hmm. because I had stopped doing what I actually did to feed my soul, you know, mm-hmm. the art thing. And I'm not like I'm one of those tortured artists. I just really like taking pictures and it makes me happy. And when I take a good picture, it makes me really happy. So like that works for me when you just take that out and you don't even try it was a very kind of everything kind of just felt really heavy and dark and, and dreary. And now I'm in this cusp where I really want it to be light and bright and airy again. And then I walk into a store and there's no one wearing a mask in Cali like at all. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, and people look at me and I'm like, yes, I'm triple vaccinated and I'll be quadruple vaccinated, you know, soon. And, but I still have diabetes and I've still ended up in a hospital from it twice. And it's still caused me huge amounts of damage and I don't really want to die. So that overrides, you know, some of my actions still to this day. And uh, mm. if anything is going to get me to stop doing this, it's probably going to be if if we cycle back up, back through closing down the building and closing down places again because mm. of something. I, I at that point I probably will be um, much more likely to just hang it up. I mean, I had friends who got all excited because there was a drive-in concert. I'm like, I'm not going to a drive-in concert. I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to go listen to live music in my car. I'm just, that's not, you know, like, or people who I know were like, oh, you can watch it streaming at home. It's like, dude, I don't want to watch a concert streaming on my TV. I just, hmm. there, it loses too much of that live yeah. feeling and energy. Um, but, okay, so you guys are musicians. When you're on stage and you're playing and it's a good night, like, you know it's a good night. Like, yeah. everything is just and it's a good night. Yeah. You don't leave the stage feeling tired and miserable and, like, oh, that was just, you know, work. Because you're getting a lot of energy from the people who are enjoying the music coming, you know, they're there. They're like, you're, you're feeding off of them. Yeah. In the same way as you go to a good concert and you're, you leave there feeling all happy is because you're taken from the music. When that doesn't happen because you're not in the same room, it loses a huge amount of the appeal to me. Yeah. Um, and I've always like, people always go, who's your favorite performer to, to shoot? And we're going to have to pause for a second. Because. Oh, wow. <laughs> probably here. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a construction truck falling in next door. Um, anyway, uh, my favorite musician to photograph is the one who's having fun on stage, like genuinely enjoying what they're doing. If mm. they are enjoying what they're doing on stage, it will show up in the pictures every single time. Like, mm. and everyone in the place is having a better time. It's and people look at me like I'm nuts, but there's really something there. There's something oh, yeah. about that that is just beyond watching a movie or. You know, it's why plays work better than movies sometimes, even if they mm-hmm. can't change the sets. There's just yeah. some energy that happens because you're in the same room where it's happening that is, it's nearly undescribable 
comparatively speaking. To yeah. And, you know, conversely, watching. it's like playing a gig when you really feel like you don't want to be there is one of the worst things that you can, that you can experience like emotionally. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the worst experiences I've ever had is like performing, you know, somewhere where I really, I really didn't want to be there, you know. It's difficult because it can be for two reasons. One, you just didn't want to go there to begin with, mm. in which case it's very difficult to suddenly Turn switch it on. it on Yeah, when you go on stage, but you have to and you, you do. But then, they, then there's, you get on, yeah, you're fine to get on, get on. And then for whatever reason, it is the flattest, poorest gig you've ever been at, oh, whether it's ill-attended or whether you're not, as a group, you're not doing the best job to get the crowd going. Who who knows what it is? Then that's that's difficult to deal with. Mm. You just want to get it over with. You know, you want to, you know, you want the break to come up so you can yeah. tr- try and yeah you know, get yourself into a different gear again. Yeah. Very hard, very very hard. Yeah, it's but yeah. when you know that the audience don't really want you to be there and you don't want to be there yeah. and you have some whatever contractual reason as to why you have to be there, that's the worst thing. <laughs> that's you know it's the opening act it's the opening act blues we don't want to see you we want to see the other guys coming on after you and yeah, then, yeah well exactly that's yeah. it you know and i i this is you know people always ask me like oh okay what's the one thing you know you always recommend doing and i i'll tell you always 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 if possible photograph the opening band always yes. <laughs> because one day they might be the big band and exactly, yeah. you know you'll no longer be able to get anywhere near him. Ed Sheeran's a perfect example. He was an opener for Taylor Swift years ago and three songs from the pit, you know, (laughs) just happy as can be, you know, nowadays it's release and soundboard. And I don't know what his current, you know, tour is, but the next time he came, those rules have changed quite drastically from the opener to the headliner. And it was the same dude. Yeah. It was the same, you know, the same song, it's bigger stage. Um, uh, but a lot of times it's much harder for them because there's a whole group of people who don't want to see them. <laughs> like, dude, we did not come here to see you. So the sooner you're done and you do your little thing and you go off the stage, the sooner we're on to, <laughs> the sooner we're on to what we came here to see. Wow. <laughs> I wish my wife was still working at home. Yeah. <laughs> right now. All right. Just on that dog but, break. I'm going to have to think about wrapping it up in a second. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's cool. So, okay. I tell you what, let's, let's finish on this. Um, so if, if somebody wanted to get into concert photography, what would be like the, the one piece of advice you would give them? Other than, okay, uh, other than don't uh, do it. Other than, <laughs> other than buy my book. No, other than buy my book. No, um, I'm very bad at self-promotion. Honestly, there's a lot of stuff in that book that's really good information. And I tried very hard to not make it camera specific as in, you know, as a, the information is general, so you can use it in general. But the, there's three things that you need to, I think you need to do nowadays to get into concert photography. And the first one is you need to start with a local badly lit bar with uh, a band that is really trying to do something like find the smallest club closest to where you live and go talk to them about photographing some stuff in their venue. I know the lights are going to be terrible. The the band is going to be dark. It's probably going to be music you hate. Um, but you will have to learn how to shoot stuff that you don't particularly listen to. 
Hmm. Because uh, if I only shot bands that I actually owned the records to, I wouldn't have a job. I mean, um, I buy a lot of music that I hear. I, I'll actually see a band and be like, oh, that was great, and go home and buy their album just because hmm. I really enjoyed the song or two. So if you start in a really crappy bar with crappy lights and you know some session musicians or a local cover band or something, everything you do from that point forward is an improvement. Like every place you go is going to be better lit and have better sight lines than that. So you're starting at like literally the mm. hardest thing to shoot. So it all gets actually easier. So that's the, that's that it out the first one, because deciding you want to be a concert photographer because Elton John is doing a farewell tour and you think you're going to get a photo pass to shoot Elton John as he comes to your town. That's not going to happen unless you're insanely lucky or know somebody. Mm. The second thing is, um, you have to start to figure out who you're going to photograph for. I don't photograph for myself. Everything I photograph concert-wise is literally, I like it and I do it for me, but I have, I don't just go to a band and go, Hey, I'd like to take pictures of you because I want to have pictures of you. Like there's nothing in it for them. So you need to have an outlet. You need to have, you need to have a place that is going to show those pictures off that makes it worthwhile for the people you're shooting to allow you to shoot. And people forget the steps sometimes in the middle, like mm. I want to shoot concerts and so I'll figure out how to shoot, but like who are you actually shooting for? So I've shot for bands directly. I have shot for gear manufacturers, um, which is insanely lucrative. I have shot for um, venues. Obviously, that's the main one I do for right now. I've shot for websites, um, sometimes paid, sometimes unpaid, depending on the relationship and what I need from them. Um, but to ask for a photo pass, you have to be able to give value to the people you're photographing. So it's really evident when someone hires you to shoot a wedding because they're going to give you a bunch of money and they're going to get back all these pictures of their great days, maybe in an album, maybe as a web gal, like they're, they're going to get something in return for the money they give you to shoot their wedding. When it comes to concert photography, I give value to the building who uses the images in a variety of ways over the years um, to advertise upcoming shows, to they use it in sales decks to show the layout. <clears throat> they use some of my action concert shots actually line the walls of the building. So you walk in and the whole inner concourse of the arena is uh, bathrooms and vending and wrapping the walls around those things are 16 images of mine that are all uh, 14 feet long by 12 feet tall. I mean, they're, they're giant wall wraps. Um, but that's what the building gets out of paying me to come and do the shows. And that's what the the artists get out of having the venue do it is because they come back and it's like, look, there's, you're part of the history of the building. You're part of this. So there's gotta be something um, that you can offer them. Uh, for people starting out, one of the things you can do is start a podcast or a blog, start a blog, start a local music scene in your area blog. There's three or four of them everywhere already. Start a new one, um, get some pictures to it, find someone who knows how to, write some good prose, do some reviews. Um, and the third one right now is that um, because a lot of times we're working for websites, offering to write and actually write a review 
more than just take the pictures is really, really key. So mm-hmm. learn how to write like the skill of actually putting some words together on a page and, you know, writing a decent review because bands are much more likely to allow you to photograph something if they're also getting um, something they can look at as a review. Uh, that just seems to be the new current stuff. And then there's the other stuff, which is general photography. Just know your gear. I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's fine if you're out shooting a landscape and you can't figure out where the button is because you can just kind of hold the camera and look at it and figure out what you're doing. That doesn't happen when you're shooting three songs mm-hmm. from a soundboard in the dark. Mm-hmm with stuff hanging off of you and you can't I, I literally can't see <laughs> because of the glasses thing um i i can see things that are far away but i have a trouble seeing things that are like three inches from my face so hmm. trying to figure out which button is controlling the iso or which button is you know doing something on my camera by looking at it is just never going to work so i literally can pick up my cameras and i know where everything is on them because i have studied them i have play to them i've carried them around i know my gear like hmm. i'm not one of those guys who's going to be able to pick up I, I you can't give me a new camera and expect me to go out that night and get the same stuff with it you hmm. got to give it to me a couple hours beforehand so i can walk around in the yard so i can figure out where the buttons are so i can have all that stuff um i like the muscle memory i mean i'm a, hmm. I'm a nikon shooter just i picked one up many many years ago it fit my hand it's very easy for me to pick up a Nikon camera and figure out where the stuff is, you know, um, mm. and I've shot everything else. I've done pocket guides from Olympus to Sony to Canon to Fuji to all of them, but they take me a lot longer. So if you're doing something that takes a seriously short amount of time, you got to know your stuff. I'm like, you've got to know your gear. You can't pick it up and go, I wonder which button changes the, you know, shutter speed. It's like I change shutter speeds without even looking at it because I know that if I click it over twice, I'm going up too. like, I, like I know where I am Hmm. without having to look at the little displays and stuff going on. I'm too busy watching the musicians run around. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, like, you know, again, you're musicians, you like, you can play a guitar, but if someone hands you like a really different guitar, like you go from like a Les Paul to like a big hollow body, something, it's not going to feel the same. You're going to take a little while to get, like how it feels yeah that's how it is with cameras and i i never forget i had a woman (laughs) sitting next to me in a photo pit at the house of blues many years ago and literally um billy idol show and he's i can see him walking out onto the stage and she leans over and she goes are these settings right (laughs) like like (laughs) we've been sitting next to each other here for 20 minutes like you this is the exact wrong time to ask that question. Like, oh, this is the stuff you should have worked out before even sitting down and, you know, or coming to, to work tonight. Um, but that's, you know, yeah, a little soapboxy there, but, you know, it's my... Not at all. Awesome. Fantastic. <clears throat> Absolutely. Alan, it has been an absolute pleasure to have, to have having... So let me just say that again. It's been an absolute pleasure having had you on the show. Um, and your two dogs. And, and you two dogs. And your builders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fantastic where can uh where can people find your photography um the the best part is probably uh um instagram is probably the the most mm-hmm. up-to-date current thing and that's just alan hess all one word right now um i'm in the process of dealing with the website 
part of COVID was that I just kind of let that go. I used to blog and post pictures and mm -hmm. uh, the feeling of dread and <laughs> despair during COVID made me just mm -hmm. stay away from that. So my website needs a big update. So most of the current stuff gets put out on um, Instagram, which mirrors over to Alan Hess Photography on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably the, the best. Uh, I am also on Twitter, but that's usually where I scream and shout and rant and rave at the, uh, at the things I don't like. I tend to try to keep all the negative and stuff over there. Um, most people don't realize sometimes that it's the same on the same guy. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, so Instagram is probably my favorite thing. And I'm, uh, I curate that pretty heavily. Like if I shoot something, I try to get one or two images up. They're not cell phone pictures posted on the spot. They're usually edited hmm. images posted from something I just shot. Um, mm -hmm. Fantastic. And obviously all yeah. the links to your, uh, to your website and your Instagram and your socials are going to be in the description of this, yeah. um, of this podcast. So again, you know, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you make sure you head over to, uh, to YouTube. And once you're there, give us a little like, a little subscribe, all the good things that YouTube people usually uh, tell you to do. Um, but if you are insistent on listening to the audio version, you know, leave us a little, um, a little comment that will help us out um, greatly. So thank you very much, Alan, for being oh. the guest on episode Thanks, 102. Uh, we you. never thought we'd make it this far, but you know, <laughs> here we are. Excellent. Oh, COVID. Oh, COVID. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Alan, thanks so much uh, for being on the show today. It's my pleasure, guys. Take and care. We shall be back next Thursday. See you later.